everybody. Welcome to the UGA Sports Show called Rumors versus Facts. It's the UGA recruiting show where we talk Georgia Bulldogs recruiting. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I am joined by Jed May and Trent Smallwood. And we have a special guest. Uh, you might not have seen too much of him because all the focus has been on some of the local players. But this is a guy who's committed to Georgia. His name is Ryan. He's, I think he plays quarterback uh, at Avon Old Farms. Ryan Buglisi is joining us. Uh, it means a lot to us that you were here, Ryan. Thank you very much, and I'm glad everybody can get a chance to see you. And uh, being the the publisher, I get to go first. I want to know how's your season going. I know you just started it. You had a lot of scrimmages. A yep. lot of people don't understand that Avon Old Farms plays on Saturdays. Yep. So tell us a little bit about uh, your season and what you've been doing leading up to uh, kickoff of your season. Yeah, no, um, it's been great. Uh, great start to my senior season so far. And uh, also, first off, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on here. Um, super grateful. But, uh, yeah, going back to my season, um, I've had two scrimmages so far, and then we just had our first regular season game this past weekend for uh, the school uh, the school called Kent near me. And uh, big win. We won 35 nothing. And then uh, we played the Hun School of Princeton and St. Thomas More as well. We scrimmaged those two teams uh, the two weekends before, which were two really good games. It's been great, great so far. I, uh, a lot of people know Dylan Rayola, number one quarterback. They know that you're the other quarterback in it. It drives me quite crazy to hear that because I'm like, when the coaches recruited you, you, you committed first. And I know for a fact that they really, really wanted you. Uh, what is your relationship like with uh, Rayola? Uh, do you guys talk? And how much do you talk with Georgia on a weekly basis? Yeah. No, me and Dylan have a good relationship. Um, just, you know, I mean, if you talk to Carson Beck and you talk to Gunnar Stockton, and Brock, you ask them how they feel about each other. They tell them that they they'll tell each other that you let that they love, and that's the same thing with me and Dylan. I mean, we're going to be in the same quarterback room, and we're going to push each other to be better, and that's exactly what we want. I mean, you go to the SEC to get better. You go there to compete, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, he has a great family. He's tremendously talented, and super excited to work with him. Go ahead, Jed. I know you're. you're I know you're dying. Yeah, uh, you know, the first of all, it's nice. You know, last week we were on the show, and and the Browns fan in me had to watch Nick Chubb, uh, you know, have his have his knee explode. So nice, I don't have to worry about that tonight. But but Ryan, we were, we were talking before you got on the air, and and you were saying one thing you've been working on is basically putting some more touch on the ball. You know, kind of letting up on the on the arm strength a little bit. Just take everybody through what that process has been like, and and just how important it is, like you said, to have the touch to go along with the, with the arm talent you've always had. Yeah. So I mean, ever since I was young, I was I was genetically blessed with an arm with a with a strong arm, and um, you know last year we had a really good season, but I found myself overthrowing some of my my receivers at points and um, missing out on explosive plays can really kill the drive. And my biggest goal this year was to make sure I, I didn't miss those big explosive plays um, because those be, those can be game defined moments, and uh, that was really the big thing for me and. Cat and go became my best friend all summer long. Just just playing catch and just trying to drop the ball in with um, with touch and let my receivers go make the play on it. What kind of numbers did you put up in those scrimmages? People always people are stat hounds, and I know if you win thirty five to nothing, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't play very much of the second half of your first game. No, I guess, yeah, I don't remember. Really, in other words, is the touch working out? Yeah, no, I don't remember my stats um, from my first and second scrimmage. I don't think we kept them, but this past game, I think I was a. Uh, 10 for 12 for three touchdowns, and I think that was it for the first half. It was not too shabby. Go ahead, Brent. Uh, Trent. 
Yeah, I just wanted. I mean, I I know that you don't like you know Dylan's in Athens every weekend because it's convenient. He's just a short drive road, but you don't get that opportunity. But you, uh, I'm taking it. You do get the chance to watch them on TV and stuff. Yeah. What have you taken away from the? Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of talk with Monk and Bobo. Uh, what what are you taking away from any differences, similarities in the offense, and and you know uh, how they're doing so far? Yeah. No, I mean I, I love what they're doing so far. Um, you know, people say a bunch of things, but, you know, I, I'm really excited with what they've done so far. Um, I love Coach Bobo, and I love what he's doing. I mean, I think as you guys can see there's not much has switched in what they've done because I said this to Jay earlier, but why, why switch something that's had so much success in the past two years? And uh, I think it really focuses on, I mean, we saw it versus UAB this weekend, get the playmakers the ball. I mean, Brock Bowers is a beast. If you get him the ball, he's going to make a play for you. And I think that's really what it comes down to is, um, getting playmakers the ball, getting them outside and, and getting them going. I think Carson Beck has done a tremendous job. I mean, he takes care of the ball. He, he takes takes easy access throws. and Yeah, he's going to take a shot when he needs to. But I think from a quarterback standpoint, he's playing he's playing really smart and he's playing well. I think one of the main differences, I guess, what excites you is uh, compared to last year, I think they're throwing nine more times per game uh, yeah. compared to what they were doing last year. So I guess that's good for a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, this is, you know, I asked you about this earlier, but you are going to be a Georgia quarterback in, in three months. Your your offensive coordinator was a Georgia quarterback, you know, about 25 years ago. Just how cool is it to be playing for a guy that, that literally has been through what you've been through, of that knows what it's like to be quarterback at the University of Georgia? Yeah. No, I think that's uh, a big aspect to it. I think having someone who teaches you and coaches you every single day knowing that he went through this and he's been in your shoes and he's played in the same exact stadium, near the same exact facilities, and he's done it all. And I think when you have that, you have a coach that you're playing for that has a different type of love for the school that he's coaching for right now. A lot of coaches, as you guys know, don't play at their school. Coach Bobo played at this school, so he has a different type of love. He's going to coach you a different type of way because he's been in your shoes. And I think having that uh, is going to make you so much better because of the love he has for the University of Georgia. And, it's not the exact yeah. same facilities. They, they've upgraded them a bit. I mean, a little different. Same area, same area, but definitely. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I see, I see people over here. Someone's asked about uh, um, Nikar, who obviously decommitted from Georgia yesterday. You were, I'm sure, close with him at, you know, quarterback receiver. But what were and, – and you told me earlier, you know, you got nothing but the best for nine. He's a good kid, and, and he'll, he'll land somewhere really good. But, but you had something interesting to say about Kirby Smarts, you know, how he recruits guys that – the the pitch he has for guys for, for lack of a better term to come to Georgia, just kind of let the people in on what is it about Kirby smarts recruiting and what he tells you recruits to tell guys yeah. um, that, that kind of gets guys into Athens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously like you just said, um, wish Nikar nothing but the best. Uh, still hoping he becomes a Georgia Bulldog at the end of the day, but uh, wish him nothing but the best. Great kid, great family, and tremendous talent. But um, yeah, I think just talking to coach smart um, and with the culture that he's built, he wants people that are that want to be at the University of Georgia. Um, and if you don't want to be there, then don't come. That's pretty much what he says. He wants people that want to be a part of the program. And that's why the culture that he's he's built and the success that they've had in these past two years, that's why they had Because the people that are in that room want to be at the University of Georgia. So they'll do whatever it takes when, they, when they're there. And obviously recruiting and stuff like that becomes flashy and people say a lot of things and do things to get guys. But at the end of the day, Coach Smart wants people – that want to be at the University of Georgia. 
And I really think that's what it comes down to. And that's a special message coming from a coach because it shows his confidence and it shows how, how much that, that matters to him. Um, because like, like Coach Bobo, Coach Smart played in, this, in the same exact system. He wore the red and black. He played in Athens. And he's got a different type of love for this for the school that other coaches have. And I think it's special, his message that he says to these guys and these recruits, including me as well. Well, that brings up the question, you know, you say that uh, Kirby Smart only wants guys that want to be there. And, I mean, I'm not going to say he has his pick. They, they go into some very pitched battles, but he's yeah, big uh, on, you know, have, having the right character and having the guys that want to – because, I mean, with the transfer portal, if somebody doesn't want to be there, they're gone next year anyway. So, you know, yeah. why, why waste the spot? Exactly. But what made you want to be there? Yeah, I mean, obviously I can name off a whole list of things. But um, – We got time. Culture stands out to me. Culture definitely stands out to me. I think Coach Smart has built um, an unbelievable culture that when you're a part of it, you're, the only thing you can do is grow because you're going to be pushed out of your comfort zone every single day, whether you like it or not. And I think the only way you can learn and become the best version of yourself is if you put yourself in those those situations. And that's exactly what I'm going to be in every single day. Um, he's going to push me to my limits. Coach Bobo is going to do the same. And you're going to play against the best of the best every single day. And I talked to, I've had a bunch of good conversations with Carson. Uh, we built a really good relationship over the past few months. And he kind of said, like, you feel like you're doing terrible every single day in practice because you're going against the best. And then you go out there and it's game day and it becomes easy because you've done it every single day. And I think when he said that, it's like, why, why, why would I want to be anywhere else? Because I'm, I get to go against the best every single day. And that was really a big piece for me, knowing that, um, whether I'm the fourth guy on the list or the first guy, I'm still going to be going against the best and I'm going to get better every single day. So when my time is called, um, I'm going to be ready. Well, let's, uh, speaking of when your time is called, how many people catch a uh, Avon Old Farms game? How many folks you got in the stands? That, like like family-wise or just people in general? Or just people in general. The biggest game we had last year was when we played Loomis Chafee. And that game had a lot of hype around it because – like Reese Davis shouted it out on college game day. And uh, I think there's probably close to 10,000 people at that game. All right. So you're playing in front of 10,000, which is considerable. I mean, that's a yeah. hell of a game. Especially, uh, I mean, for the people that don't know where it is, Avon's in the middle of nowhere. So to have 10,000 people here is pretty special. Folks, I highly recommend you go look at the Avon Old Farms uh, website. Check out this school. It's an all boys school, right? All boys, yeah. Suit and tie. And what's the dress code like every day? Suit and tie. Suit and tie. All boys school, yeah. And, and, and honestly, I was teasing Ryan before he came on. I'm saying, look, the place looks like Hogwarts, no, you know, no. from the from my kind of. I mean, look where he's at right now. Look at the background there. That it's just a it's a beautiful campus, beautiful school, uh, very well done. But Ryan, are you ready to come be in front of ninety two thousand people? And you've seen the comments online. Carson Beck had a hell of a game on Saturday, in my opinion. I mean, he he got the eight drives. Moved on uh, seven of the eight, uh, uh, zoomed down the field. Uh, six of them, he scored a touchdown. And there were still people kind of complaining about a couple deep shots there, which is you know fine. Everybody wants perfection. But are you ready for that kind of, I don't want to say culture change, but it's going to be a bit different to play in the South, to play in front of 93,000 screaming fans. Are you ready for that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, everyone who steps in those shoes is going to be a little bit of a culture shock at first. Um, but you get used to it. And that's the biggest thing is just putting yourself in positions to, to get used to it. And like I said before, I'm going to do that every single day because that's what Coach Smart has built. I'm going to be uncomfortable every single day. 
so that when I'm in front of 92,000, I'm used to it. I've done it every single day because I've been in these situations every day. Um, not to the extent in front of 92,000, but the little things. And they build up doing things that you don't like to do every single day or something that doesn't feel normal and comfortable to you. They add up and it builds over time this confidence where it only becomes you playing football on the field. And at the end of the day, that's really what it is. You're, the, you're out there with your, with your 10 other teammates and you guys are going to battle every single day. And that's really what matters. Yeah, there's 92,000 people watching, but you guys are the ones down there playing. It, you, you know, Georgia's got talent on uh, offense, defense. That's that's no the way they recruited. Anybody in particular that uh, you're you're looking forward to to playing against on that defense side? Because you're coming in, uh, you'll be the young guy come spring. Um, there'll be some guys move on, some seniors, but uh, there's there's a good chance you're going to be going up uh, against some talented uh, secondary players that are at Georgia right now. Is anybody in particular you're looking forward to going up against? My guy Joe now. Massachusetts kid, um, Ellis Robinson too, uh, both New England guys. So just to be able to go up against those guys because they're from they're from where I'm from, and obviously they have a bunch of talent. So also being able to go against them and get better, but also knowing you know, we're from the same area. We're, we're both all three New England guys, so it's cool cool to have that. And all, other, and all the other five stars that are on the defense. <laughs> uh, who else are you recruiting? Uh, KJ Bolden for sure. I mean. And obviously, Nikar, try to get him back. Uh, it's not over till it's over. And obviously, we're going to go out there and get the best talent we can. Jed, do you have any more? I know you got a story coming, so I don't want to give away all your uh, yeah, questions right. you want uh, This is one I didn't ask earlier, but you were, t- Ryan, you were talking about, you know, you, you've been genetically blessed with arm talent. I'm assuming you've played quarterback, played football for a long time. Yep. Do you have a favorite? memory favorite play favorite game i mean what are the you know, if i asked you to stack up the highlights of your football career to this point what's the one that that kind of jumps to the top first so last year um definitely is my favorite my favorite moment um we were playing this school called cho cho rosemary hall um they're about an hour down the street and we we're down we we're down 36 to 7 in the fourth quarter and came back brought it to 36, 35 in one quarter. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, it sinks, but we didn't, we didn't capitalize. We went for two to win it. We didn't get it, but just being able to go through that and come back with my guys was, was a surreal moment. That was definitely one of the better moments I've had. And also I wish you guys could experience it, but our locker rooms are, are way up top on a hill and it overlooks the football field, which is down below. And just every Saturday night when it's six 30 and all you see is the lights and you're up top there and, before you walk down for the field, it's always a special moment. All right, we're going to have to hire one of your uh, classmates to basically just film that uh, that walk down there. You know, get, just get behind you. So if you got somebody with some video skills, send them our way. We're, we're going to get that video to show people what it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question, unless the other guys have one. Uh, you, I know you talked to Mike Bobo a lot. Uh, has he sent you the plays? He's showing you teaching telling you to get ready because i mean it seems like you're gonna be here pretty quickly uh are you watching what georgia does on saturdays going okay this is this play this is that my responsibility is here here's my read uh are you doing all that sort of stuff with mike bubble what what is he telling you each week yeah i think obviously being able to when i can watch the games um every weekend have been really good it's tough sometimes because i play on saturday as well but um just being able to do what we can 
with Coach Bobo and talking about that stuff, uh, obviously we, we do what we can. And being able to learn as much as we can with the circumstances that we're given um, have been great. But, yeah, I mean, I love the offense that they run, and I, I can't wait to be a part of it. Awesome. You guys have anything else you want to ask him before we let him go? I know he's got homework, so. That's it for me. Look, they were good. I, hey, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. That just that has made our night. And uh, you can log off now. I know you got a lot of homework to do. That's the academic standards there at Avon Old Farms are no joke. So I'm going to go with we, we know you got your homework to do. And again, we will be following you and your progress throughout the season. We look forward to you getting here in December where we can cover you in person. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate it so much. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Well, I thought that was a pretty good interview. He's going to be a crowd favorite. Yeah. I mean, some people know, or people mentioned it in the comments over here, just very, you know, mature and, and well-spoken, which, and, and Dylan Raiola is too. That's what you would expect in a quarterback when you're, when you're looking for guys to come in and be ready to uh, compete day one. And I think what he said, cause everyone wonders, Oh, would he flip? Would he, when he gets, if he gets on campus, doesn't start, would he transfer? But what he mentioned about Carson Beck there, you know, you, you feel like you suck in practice and then, the game comes and he gets like he knows he's going to be developed whether he's playing on Saturdays or, or not. And who better to say that than Carson Beck, who has been mostly on the bench for the past three years? So, um, you know, I thought that was some good insight into basically his thought process on why he still feels George is the best place for him with another quarterback committed in the same class. I mean, you go into all boys school, you got to be uh, you got to be mature to handle that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, It'd be a little bit of a shell shock coming to Athens or just the, the females around alone coming from all boys. It's like, it's like 60, 40 girls to guys in these classes now. So good luck, Ryan. Hey, it'll be the Georgia, Georgia quarterback. He's, he's going to have a fun college career. Uh, again, I, I was, I didn't want to get too much into it with him, but uh, I do want to make the point that, Everyone kind of considers him the other guy. Now, we do a lot with Ryan, uh, uh, Dylan Rayola. I actually have on my phone a bunch of video clips from his last game that I'm trying to get together, and we'll put it out on Facebook. We'll put it out on uh, YouTube and TikTok. We actually have somebody at every one of his games because I know somebody at Buford that can shoot all his games. So, And we've interviewed him a lot because he's, he's an hour away, even less. I mean, Trent, what are you? how far are you from Buford? About 13 minutes, you know? Uh, about six. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we cover him a lot, but uh, getting up to Connecticut's a little bit tougher. So I was glad to have him on, mainly because I, 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 a lot of people just have that, you know, he's already the backup. And I'm like, that's not – I didn't get that vibe from him. And talking mm -hmm. to people inside the program, they think he stands just as good a chance of being your starter when you get to that 2025 class as uh, Rayola. He's a really talented guy. And like you said, Jed, he's having to learn to take a little bit off of his throws because he's throwing two – bloody hard. We've seen quarterbacks do that. I mean, you, Matt Stafford had to learn that touch. He came in with that cannon of an arm. So I just, I, I'm like, look, if uh, when he gets here, understand that there's going to be a race between those two. And he sounds like he's excited for it. And this is a guy that uh, that Georgia had pegged higher on the board than Julian Sagan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, after coming in, Julian Sagan, Sagan higher than, you know, the, the Jade Davises of the world, you know, all the, these 24 quarterbacks, and he was kind of the one because again, when Dylan Raiola committed to Ohio State, Georgia was still in the Arch Manning sweepstakes. So then I was like, okay, is it Sayan? Is it uh, Jaden Davis? And, and Puglisi is the one that they wanted. And he mentioned this to me earlier. You know, I, I committed to Todd Munkin. 
Mike Bobo was involved in that decision making too. You know, he obviously was an analyst and, and things like with probably the idea that he eventually could be an offensive coordinator one day at, at Georgia if Monk if and when Monk had moved on. So um it's not like you know, he G- Georgia wanted him, like you said, Trent. They he was the guy that they wanted. Obviously, Dylan Raiola came back on the market. Georgia went after him and got him, and that's great. But like you, you've said, Roddy, do, Ryan Puglisi is far from the quote-unquote other guy. You know, they are both extremely, extremely talented guys that Georgia wanted really bad. Yeah, how do you do the Elite 11? Pretty good. Pretty good. And, and that's another thing. Like, Elite 11 is called Elite 11 for a reason. You know, other people are starting to recognize uh, his, his talent. I mean, they play – considering it's in Connecticut, I believe pretty good competition for, for, uh, you know, Northeastern football. So it's not like he's playing, you know, the, the little sisters of the poor or, or whatever he, he plays pretty good. And that's, and that's a, a good athletic school. So, um, again, he, he's far from the, the other guy. I think he's, he, he has what it takes to be a SEC quarterback, both on the field and, you know, mentally, you can just kind of get that mental vibe from him. Uh, when you're talking to him, we just. I think what it boils down to is uh, he wouldn't be listed as other guy if Jed ranked him higher. So. Um, True. Yeah, it, it's our fault. True. And we. Well, it's Jed's fault for doing the rankings. Yeah. Right. I only just recently got him into the top 250. So, um, you know, we we said before he got on the show he's a Red Sox fan, so that's kind of contributing to my bias there a little bit. Yeah. Um, but but no, he, even still, even with my bias, he's a really good player. Now, I do think that uh, if you talk to the people that we talk to and I talk to people within the Georgia program and outside the Georgia program, I know Trent and Jed do as well, uh, there are a lot of schools that are jealous of the two quarterbacks that Georgia has committed, and they are, they're they're going to work to get one of them and try it. So that bring, let, let's kind of let us go from there talking about uh, Nye Carr, uh, very talented wide receiver for, you know, committed to Georgia. Not a lot of people knew who he was early on. Georgia gets him, gets a commitment. He decommits this week, and that was a blow. I think, uh, Jed, you on the board pointed out that, you know, this isn't like, oh, okay, they lost a, a sixth offensive lineman. They don't have a lot of wide receivers committed, and this guy's pretty damn good. You've covered him extensively, and every time you, you – you've been the one, you know, ringing the bell saying Nykar needs to move up in the rankings. This kid's electric. So tell us a little bit about the Nykar decommitment and kind of what's going on with him now. Yeah, Nykar is, is really good, first of all. I mean, he's, he can go up and get it. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He, he is bordering on five-star status uh, in my rankings for a reason. And when this happened yesterday, it, it seemed like it kind of took everybody by surprise because he had been one of these guys that has flirted with other schools for so long. Landon Thomas, his high school teammate, flipped from Georgia to Florida State. Um, but it, it seemed like things had, had quieted down. You know, I went and saw him a couple weeks ago when he was saying that you know, I'm locked in and, you know, people shouldn't worry about me taking visits to other schools and all this kind of stuff. Well, and, it's, he wasn't worried. He was, he was committed 100 percent or 1000 percent. Right. And, you know, some Colquitt County people I talked to yesterday were surprised by this. Commits, some commits I talked to were surprised. Re- further reporting from, from Adam Gorney seemed to indicate, you know, he was kind of thinking about it when he visited for the South Carolina game. Went another week. Brian McClendon was at his game the following Friday and, or I guess this past Friday, and he, he decided to pull the trigger and decommit anyway. So um, yeah, I mean, it, from a, from the Georgia perspective, it's a blow. He is really good. He, you can make an argument. He's the best uh, 
receiver in this class or that was committed to Georgia, the three commits. And listen, Sakobi White is a really, really good player. Nitro Tuggle is a really, really good player. But I think it's fair to say that what the expectations for this receiver class might have been at one point and and where it is right now are are, are two different things, I think. I think earlier this spring, there were visions of you know, landing a five-star or two and, and you know, getting up to the four really, really good players. And again, Sakobi White and Nitro Tuggler are very good. I, I don't mean to, you know, make it seem like Georgia is is in a really bad spot here because they're not. Um, but now it's gone from potentially having the class done at this point. So now you've got two guys committed and, and you're in scramble mode a little bit to try to find a third if you want to take a third and or fourth from high school because – there's a lot of guys out there committed to other schools who you know, came on a visit to Georgia, Georgia's offered, but you know, it, it's not like it was a battle between Georgia and, and Oregon or whatever. And the kid chose Oregon. Now Georgia could try to, to get it back. And there, there's not a lot of guys out there like that. So um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes, whether they do somehow manage a flip, whether it's a late evaluation guy, do they try to take two out of the portal like they did this past year? I don't know. There's a lot of, um, I guess, unknown at that spot, kind of like there is with defensive back. You know, is it going to be late eval? Is it portal? Is it someone on the board mentioned junior college? Uh, that's an option. So uh, this, the class that we've all talked about being close to being done for a while, uh, just added a, a decent amount of intrigue over the next three months. I, th- I think the interesting part is, oh, not, not really interesting part, but the, what draws uh, people to uh, this decommitment is the wide receiver position, of course. And and that's something that Georgia has struggled to land, um, uh, you know, those top tier wide receivers. And, and to be honest, I, I don't think this uh, decommitment necessarily has anything to do about what, where Georgia's offense is right now, where it's headed. I think, um, I, I just think there's other things involved uh, outside of uh, just, you know, where he fits at in the offense or how many balls, uh, how many targets they're getting. Because Georgia, honestly, are targeting the wide receivers a lot more than they have in, in years past. They're trying to get uh, playmakers, uh, the ball in the playmakers' hands. So I think it has a lot more to do with, uh, you know, factors outside of uh, the wide receiver position, but it's going to be looked on and frowned upon because it's that wide receiver position, and that's what Georgia's really struggled with. And until uh, Georgia's able to fix that or – or as I say, get a thousand yard receiver or whatever, um, you know, they're going to be critiqued on that, on that subject. No, you're right. And uh, you can point to the fact that Georgia's throwing the ball. I mean, it looks like a pass first offense to me. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Now Kirby says, well, some of those passes are runs. I'm like, okay. But to the general public and to anybody who's negatively recruiting against Georgia, like, yeah, they throw the ball all over the place, but, this is the third game out of four in which you've had, uh, uh, what, 10, 11, 12 guys catch a pass. How are you going to shine when, you know, you're not getting six, seven balls? Or the guy they threw nine balls to, they're throwing to a tight end. Or the a running back was their leading receiver a couple of years ago. You know, it's just, um, you know, it's – I can see the – I can I understand how the negative recruiting works because you, you don't have to be – you know, put it in context. And you could say that uh, – you know, they haven't had a thousand yard receiver and it works, but I'm with you from what we've heard about this uh, situation. And here's the new world we live in. Uh, 
a kid can be a hundred percent committed, a thousand percent committed, but then all of a sudden somebody comes in with a new NIL deal and you're like, wow, I would be stupid. I mean, this is where my heart is, but I got to take care of my family. And this is head and shoulders, a better deal, you know, than what I was getting. So, uh, I mean, you, you get out of college, uh, you ideally, you know where you want to work, but you take the, you go where the job is and you go where the money is, you know? So it's, Sometimes you have to do what's best for your future, what's best for your family. And it's it's not always the best place. It's not always where your heart is. So that's not to say, yeah, I know NICAR's hard or anything like that. I'm just saying it's uh, – I'm not going to be more surprised anymore by a quick decommitment kind of out of the blue. But I will also mm-hmm. not be surprised by Georgia flipping guys because they've been able to do that as well. So somebody who's been committed to another team for a long time and all of a sudden – decommits and goes to Georgia. We see that happen all the time, but we tend to focus on the ones that flip away. So that's just the way it goes. Right, um, there is, we did have a question about that. Let me, from Andy Stowe, let me pop his question in here. Um, Andy asked, with a night card decommitment, should we expect any more decommits or is this kind of a one-off deal? Is the class under attack? Is the Georgia recruiting class for 2024 falling apart? Is it is it uh, just going to hell, or is this kind of a one-off deal? I mean, I don't think you can rule out other decommitments just because there's three months till signing day and anything can happen. But um, I don't think the class is under attack or, or or anything like that. I mean, you know, I'm off the off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of guys who. I mean, Namdi Boko visited Notre Dame. Uh, for their game with Ohio State over the weekend, which even though I lost was fantastic atmosphere and all that. So um, I don't know. I mean, again, is it 100% guaranteed that the 20 – how many guys are committed? 26 guys who were committed right now all sign on signing day? No. Like that that's not a guarantee by any means. But, you know, I think NICAR's decision was, I don't know, not indicative of a, of a larger problem, I guess, if that answers Andy's question at all. Uh, that, that, that makes sense. I like that. Uh, question there from uh, Raul55. For wide receivers, do we go to the portal or do they go for flips? So is Georgia going to try to flip some folks or this go to the portal? I mean, in the portal, you got the number one wide receiver for Mississippi State. You got the number one wide receiver for uh, Missouri who had proven themselves. And, you know, Georgia played against them and respected both of them and landed them. It seems like you got some definite success there. But at the same time, I can also see George flipping like they did George Pickens. Yeah, I mean, but and it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, there aren't a lot of guys out there who like like a Luther Burden from a, a couple of years ago, for example. Like, okay, it's Georgia, Missouri. He chooses Missouri. Maybe we can get him to choose us. Like there's guys, there was some mutual interest out there, but like some of those guys weren't takes to begin with. So, and I, I don't think Georgia is in a position where they would just – take a guy to, to take a guy, you know, they, they still got to be a take and a guy that fits uh, what Kirby wants in the program. Um, I did look yesterday. There are two, there are three receivers other than Nikar uncommitted and have a George offer. One is Ryan Wingo, who it, it feels like is, is going elsewhere. One is Hunter Modden out of Texas has a Georgia offer. And one, uh, gosh, I should have pulled his, his last name is Thompson. He's from Alabama and, and a guy I haven't heard a whole lot about. So, um, but again, late evals, guys get on campus late. You know, there, there's a lot of options there. A junior college guy who gets some tape out there. 
Um, cause, cause Trent, I don't know. I think, you know, when, when they had three receivers and it's like, okay, just go to the portal for a fourth one. I don't think you can guarantee and say, Oh, well, we'll, we'll just go to the portal and get two receivers. Cause there might not be two receivers you think would fit the program for the portal. There might not be two receivers you think would that, that want to come to Georgia out of the portal. And obviously it worked out well last year, but I think you, you, your better bet might be trying to find one more guy from high school and then maybe going to the portal for that last guy to get to four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you, you really can't sit back and, and count on the portal um, to be your your savior at a certain position. Um, it is bringing in two or three guys or having, um, you know, two or three guys that, that uh, you want to bring into the program. But at the same time, you you got to make sure that room stays filled. you got to make sure you still have the depth. And the only way to do that is to recruit out of high school. And if you have, uh, you know, a position or somebody that you think is going to make you better or two guys you think will make you better, then pull them in. Uh, and it might be one year. It might be two years. So, uh, but, yeah, you, you're exactly right. I, th- I think you got to go – you still got to recruit. How You can't count on that portal to be uh, your savior at a position. But at the same time, uh, you know, Kirby's going to do e- everything possible to have the best roster as possible. So, if a, uh, a wide receiver uh, that he's familiar with goes in the portal, oh, great. But he's going to make sure that his depth is, uh, you know, filled at that position through the high school recruiting. I can just keep throwing the tight ends. I'm fine with that. That's just just me. Uh, here's the here's the thing. You, you see you see Brock getting nine ten targets per game, and honestly, you know I love Oscar Delp and I love uh, Georgia's tight ends, but they do not have another Brock Bowers. I don't think you're going to force feed a certain tight end on that roster currently ten balls per game. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like you saw with Kenny McIntosh. Those targets have went to wide receivers more this year. Um, they don't have a running back besides cash, really, that that um, that you can really count on in the passing game significantly. So uh, I think you, you're starting to see uh, – you're going to start to see more uh, wide receiver targets come next year. Uh, even if you limit that, uh, you take that number and, and subtract four, uh, four or five from it from Brock – Give those to Oscar, but then you get four or five targets going back towards wide receivers. And uh, I think you'll start seeing that go back towards wide receivers a little more just because you don't have a Brock Bowers, which is, uh, you know, as y'all know, special talent, uh, and having him on campus. Uh, Lawson Lucky will do it. <laughs> no, and that's, I'm, I was, I, I'm an advocate for – we always want what we don't have, right? So but when they weren't throwing the tight ends, I was tweeting weekly about you know, throw it to the tight ends and uh, kind of became a gimmick. But it was seeing how successful it was elsewhere. And I'm like, I know you got really good tight ends. And then, of course, you got uh, Brock came and it started working out. And you're right. it's he. I don't see he's a unicorn. To me, Darnell Washington was a unicorn. That's mm-hmm. a, a once-in-a-generation type guy. But they're uh, – I would say Brock Bowers is generational because there's – He's again. Uh, I've told the story many times when I was in at the NFL Combine to have an NFL coach come up to me and, and we get to talking, and he's like, uh, "What about that Brock Bowers kid? You know, I mean, he he actually checked to see if he was eligible to come out. I don't think he knew anybody else in the Georgia roster, but he knew Brock Bowers. He knew like he knew Stetson Bennett. He didn't remember his name, but he's like the the smallish quarterback that's just a winner. You know, he's." He was waiting. They're waiting on Brock Bowers to come out. So that tells you how special he is. And you're right. When he's gone, now all of a sudden those passes go to other places. 
And I think uh, Marshall uh, had a question. It's like, uh, if you're a top receiver, do you want to go to a top program that uses three receivers or one that uses 11 receivers in a game? I'm like, mm. you know, you want you want to put up those numbers. The, the, you put up the numbers, it gets you uh, noticed by the NFL, but it also gets in this era of NIL, you know, you can have 11 guys, everybody gets a catch, and everybody can have a, you know, a show. But if as a lot of these guys think, if I'm the household name, if everyone's buying the Marvin Harrison Jr. jersey, you know, then I need – I need numbers to get that following, to get that next deal. So. And I think here's the problem with Georgia's schedule. It, it has to do uh, – th- that's a big reason why a lot of these guys are getting um, – uh, Georgia's completing 11, 12 balls to receivers a game. You go back and look at South Carolina, you got Dominic Levitt playing a ton of snaps. You got Arian Smith playing a ton of snaps. Um, Georgia was really down to like a five, six-man rotation at that wide receiver position, but Georgia has had the benefit of – uh, being up by a lot of points on the other three teams um, and playing a lot of guys. And I think you're going to see that rotation slim way down coming into SEC play. Uh, but I think that is a problem with Georgia's schedule is they uh, – I, I know McClendon uh, has went to a small rotation last year when, you know, yep. in SEC play. And I think um, uh, you probably catch a lot of negative recruiting, but at the same time uh, – Georgia hasn't had to, uh, you know, play three or four or have a four or five-man rotation at the wide receiver position yet because of the leads they've had. And I yeah, think but, – But here's the thing, but has it cost them – did it cost them a Jermaine Burton? Did it cost them an A.D. Mitchell, you know? It, it probably did, but it also uh, – you looking back at that Georgia-Alabama uh, National Championship a few years ago. Uh, Georgia had receivers hurt. Alabama got their top two receivers hurt. Alabama didn't have depth behind them, and Georgia did. So uh, are you playing uh, are you playing for national championships? Are you playing to please people? And I think uh, that Kirby's done a great job of building depth behind his uh, positions. I agree with the decision. I'm all for getting 11 uh, guys a a pass or getting them completion. A, you build that experience, but also guys like, look, I'm catching passes. Uh, I I haven't just been a walk on. Take a Jackson Meeks, you know. Like I've actually got passes for me. They, they've designed a play for me. Uh, I'm getting out there. I'm giving my all on special teams. I'm rewarded with something in the game. And especially your young guys, you know, you try to throw to Z Haynes. You try to throw to Tyler Williams. Those guys get that. In other words, the first time you're relying on them isn't against Auburn on the road, you know, on the third and eight. You know, they've actually caught a pass earlier and you're ready for it. You know, you've the butterflies are gone because this isn't your first time trying to catch a pass for Georgia. So I think the philosophy is good, but I can also see how it's used in negative recruiting. And I'm not saying that that's what happened with my car, but, you know, I can see that say, look, come to this offensive features. You more. Well, uh, when we spoke to Aaron Gregory, the, uh, well, I guess he's maybe the top, is he the top receiver in the 2025 class? I mean, I know he's in the, one of the top players he's in this country. He's a, a Georgia product, and he's like, oh, man, the way USC uses their wide receivers, the way Ohio State uses their wide receivers. I'm like, what about Georgia? He's like, yeah, they run the ball a lot. <laughs> and, uh, they got a good defense. I'm like, okay. You know, it kind of pops up there. So, uh, But to your point, Trent, you're right. It's like, are you trying to win a national championship? Are you trying to make people happy? So I'm with you. Uh, let's go to the next question there from um, uh, uh, Dog Bite You. Says, what are these top recruits really being offered? Not looking for names, but NIL has been around long enough that we should know kind of what the ballpark numbers look like. 
So uh, what are some of the numbers that you guys legitimately believe are being paid in some of these big NIL deals? Legitimately believe is is an interesting phrase. Um, (laughs) I mean, you hear hear so many different things. I mean, mean, Trent, I'm sure you've heard too, like, I mean, these offers can get into some of the things you hear. It's, you know, six figures, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, and, and that's a year that could be for the, the duration of the thing. I mean, you, you hear all kinds of stuff and you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's often, you know, fourth or fifth hand. It's, it's the, these things are, are, uh, you know, a bit murky at best for, for the people in them. Right. So, um, but you, but you hear a lot of stuff and some of it just makes you think yeah, that is a, a lot of money for a guy who, has not played a down of, of high school football, no matter who it is, whether it's 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 a receiver, it's a running back, it's an offensive tackle, it's a corner, quarterback, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's you definitely hear a lot of uh, a, a lot of things out there for sure. And, and, and here's my thing: Are you paying a high school receiver that that you're not, you know, sure will adjust to the speed of the game or whatever? Be it be uh, how they are in the locker room. Are you paying them? 250,000 or whatever per year to come up there? Or are you going to go and get a, uh, pay a guy like Dominic Lovett, uh, NIL, the same thing that you know what you're going to get from him and you know, uh, you, you've seen him play in the SEC. I think that's the main thing is, is, uh, what are you getting and, and what if it don't work out and you're, you're you got this, you got this situation, um, at hand. So I think, uh, excuse me. I mean, and Texas A&M was the kind of the blueprint behind it. There's a lot more schools doing it now uh, because here's the thing. If a coach don't win in three years, he's fired. And and there's only one coach winning the last two years. So everybody's on the hot seat. And uh, uh, and everybody's if if you're not winning national championship, you're gone. And uh, I think that's that's the the product we've gotten into you look at all these schools uh you know such as like nebraska's and stuff like that or do you have a chance to even rebuild or do you just have to go pay your way and try to and try to do it right now and i think that's where where people are uh, have gotten to i think you know fsu's and the uh miami's you, you we got to win now or my job's at jeopardy and uh and and you know some some of them pay off, some of them don't. But uh, it's a chance that these coaches have to take because they're looking at their own fam- families. Yeah, and it's, I mean you're a seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven million dollar year coach. You know you got offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators making a million a piece or two million. Uh, if you you reach out to your NIL and you say, hey, look, I got a defensive end. He wants three hundred thousand dollars. Fine, it's not coming out of your paycheck. You know you've got boosters out there that'll pay it. And you're like, hey. I, let's get this kid in here. Uh, and now suppose the idea is that the kid will be the face of uh, that NIL deal. He'll put ads out there and you see a num- good number of ads, but a lot of it's the requirements from the student athletes is pretty low end, but you know, I'm not going to, that's, that's a story, uh, a conversation for a different time. But if, the question was, what are some numbers that are thrown out there? And I will tell you for a fact that I know the one school that was going to give $25,000 a month to a top defensive end or a defensive tackle or a defensive player. He's one of the top players in the nation. Uh, it's like a top 50 kid. And uh, it's like, okay, uh, he's going to get twenty five grand at NIL through some 
car dealership or a big corporation who's, you know, they're, they're willing to spend it. So we're not talking $10,000 here and there. We're not talking millions where we've heard, I've seen some people say, oh, this kid has a, you know, $6 million NIL deal. Bull crap. Mm -hmm. uh, hell, professional athletes aren't getting some, getting some of those NIL deals. So. If Tennessee had a $6 million nil deal, they should have changed quarterbacks <laughs> after the second week. Right. But I can, it's not unusual to, when we say six figures, 100,000, 300,000, it, it, it is happening. And I'm not saying every kid's getting that. I mean, I don't know that Ryan uh, Pugliese is going to get, you know, $300,000 from Drew. Well, no, he's not. Uh, but if, what if another school comes and offers him that? Now all of a sudden you're like, you know, I, I spoke with Georgia. I'm a uh, true freshman. Uh, I love what's going on there. Uh, but Penn State needs a quarterback, and they've got an NIL deal worth $450,000. Again, whereas before, a kid would never even, you know, or some kids would be like, ah, no, this is my dream school. I'm so excited. I've been committed for two years. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, I have to think about that. So that's why any uh, – surprise deals at the end uh, or uh, surprise movements don't surprise they're not surprising anymore because the guys are uh, there's new calculus if you will with the whole nil world and georgia can do the same thing you can have a kid committed to a school for a long time and then the classic city collective says look we've got a uh, a, uh, a restaurant chain that wants to make you the uh wants you to be the face of their franchises so when you get here, you know, once you sign with Georgia, they're going to come talking to you and it's probably going to be a, you know, high six figure deal. Like, oh, well, I've been going to Notre Dame for hell a year and a half. But if I go to Georgia and I wouldn't play for championships, I like their offense or I like their defense and uh, I could make 500 grand. Hell yeah. So it's going to get wilder as we get into it further and further. All right, let's uh, hit another question here from uh, – uh, KSDJ1869, are there any 2025 recruits you're expecting commit a commitment from this fall? Uh, also, who do you think we have at the top of our QB board for the 2025 class? From what I've read here, Montgomery seems like the guy at this point. Who else should we keep our eyes on? So any 2025 commits likely, and what's the quarterback uh, board, what's the quarterback board look like? So I'll, I'll take the first part. You know, because again, it's obviously really early for 25 kids. They've got a full year before they can sign. Uh, one name to watch is uh, Zayden Walker, who I, I went and saw on Friday night. He's listed as an outside linebacker. Georgia wants him as an inside guy. And I, I asked him, I was like, do you have any kind of timeline in, in mind? And he, he said something to the effect of, yeah, it, it's not going to be too far from now or something like that. So, um, you know, he, he doesn't have a date or even like a range of dates, but not too far from now makes you think it would be this fall at some point. Um, Georgia is, is in a good spot there. You know, they hosted him for the South Carolina game. Um, Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann. I've got a story coming on tomorrow, but Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann. Dale McGee is, is in contact with him because he was a used to be recruited as a running back. Um, Georgia is, is, is in a good spot there. And, and again, he, he plans to get back to Athens this fall. And, and again, he kind of hinted that a decision could be coming uh, a sooner rather than later. That'll be a big one. All right, Trent, uh, is George even going to take a 2025 quarterback? 
you know, I mean, uh, it's a stupid question to ask, but at the same time, I'm like, they're getting two of the best next year. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's going to be, uh, you know, what, what can Georgia hold on to on his current, current roster? I think okay. that'll, that'll be, and, and I think that's when the ultimate decision will be made. Uh, I don't, I don't think a decision will be made till probably after December, see what Georgia, see where Georgia stands, see where Carson Beck stands as far as coming back next year. And uh, you know, right now I would assume Carson Beck comes back, but you never know what the, the rest of the year holds. Um, does a quarterback transfer out? Does two quarterbacks transfer out? You, I think a, a, a lot will depend on that with numbers. I know that they've been in talks with, uh, with 2025 quarterbacks, and they just can't give them a solid answer of are we going to take one or not, or are you at the top of our priority board or not. And I think that's that's including Ron Montgomery. I, I, uh, Ron Montgomery is uh, the name, you know, we've heard about for a long time. But, uh, you know, I think he uh, himself is still uncertain where he stands on the board. And, um, you know, I think uh, there's several schools that have uh, – um, taking advantage of that, and I think Georgia is okay with, with, with where they are. We're taking two quarterbacks this year with their current quarterback room, and right now, as of today, I don't expect them to take quarterback in twenty-five. But I think a lot depends on what they're doing with their roster. Uh, what happens with the roster? Do they have uh, four quarterbacks on scholarship next year? Do they have three quarterbacks on scholarship next year? Uh, I think if they're down to three, they take one. But I think if they're at four, they hold tight. That makes perfect sense. Awesome. All right. Any last comments before we uh, break for the evening? Nope. Just, I mean, again, we've got stories on Puglisi coming, Zayden Walker coming, uh, you know, Lance McCurley, who, as Trent, you know, said in our group text earlier, is a slacker and could make it tonight. Uh, he's got stories coming from guys he's seen. So, uh, you know, keep it, uh, keep it tuned to the vault for all your updates. Hey, you had a good story today on Tyler Atkinson. Yeah. Tyler, who's, uh, what, number seven player? Number seven in the, in the country. And he's right there. Great. He's a, a freak, man. He's he's freaky athletic. I don't know exactly where he will end up as far as position at the next level, inside or outside linebacker. Uh, but but he's he's a stud. He's absolutely a stud. I'm thinking a 6'3", 205 pounds uh, as a uh, 10th grader. Uh, reminds me of some kid named Kim Dichi or something. Just a monster on the field. I've seen him – rush off the edge at times for grace and he's so fast and twitchy and explosive it's it's crazy but he's also got the athleticism you know play in space and cover and all that kind of stuff so uh he's gonna be i mean he's only a sophomore like you said so it's it's gonna be really interesting to watch over the next couple of years see how he grows and develops so anyway go read that at the front page of ujsports.com and then uh be sure to swing by tomorrow for the uh Walker story, and then uh, be sure to stick around for the Puglisi story. Good stuff coming from our friends at UGASports.com. Anyway, that's all the time we have for tonight. We appreciate everybody joining us, and I hope you will join us again next Monday night when we talk about uh, a lot of the Georgia rumors that are out there, and we'll try to bring you facts as much as we can. Uh, for Trent Smallwood and Jed May, I'm Roddy DeBulsey. We'll see you later. <laughs>